Hello and welcome to today's edition of the Business Excellence Podcast. My name is Rail Bricker coming to you from Perth in Western Australia. For a value added extra, excellencepodcast.com has heaps of free resources for you to download. That is excellencepodcast.com. And with me today is my guest from Israel, Hadar Sueski. Welcome, Hadar. Hey, Rail. Thanks for having me. Hadar is a serial entrepreneur, a keynote speaker, and author of a book that is we going to be discussed on today's podcast called Winning in Business with ADHD. Hadar also is a, a proud husband of one of the most successful young emerging winemakers in Australia and a proud father of four children. So welcome to the Business Excellence Podcast, Hadar. Thank you very much, Rail. Nitsan is actually a winemaker in Israel, but not Australia, but yes. Oh, I said, oh, okay. Winemaker in Australia. It's 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 the end of the, in, in Israel, it's the end of a day today. Um, your, your wife's uh, brand is called Achat, which is one, the first woman, a woman in, in a female sense for the listeners. Yes. Hadar, the first chapter of your book, Winning in, in, in Business with ADHD, says go and get diagnosed or get diagnosed. What took you to get diagnosed and what impact did it have on you? So I actually was diagnosed twice. Uh, first time I was diagnosed when I was about 15 or 16 because I was having uh, trouble at school. But my mom uh, decided not to share the uh, the results of this uh, this diagnosis that was done. And she felt that it would uh, uh, put me at a disadvantage in life, thinking that ADHD is a disadvantage. Um, I then started when my first daughter was after she was born, she was about three or four years old, and she started uh, showing signs of things that I remembered from my childhood that were, um, uh, let's put them, I, I should say they left a, a, a tender spot in my memory. So things that when I saw them, I, suddenly I, I got the shivers and I was like, oh my God, now I remember, I remember feeling like that. I remember seeing that. I can give examples that you, Rail, would probably know since you've known me for so long. But really, when I started seeing that, I thought, okay, I don't want my kid to go through this pain that I've gone through. And I already knew at that time that I have ADHD, but I never went to get diagnosed. It was probably three, four years that I was playing around with this idea of getting diagnosed. Um, and I finally decided to do it because I felt it wouldn't be right to send my daughter to be diagnosed if I didn't do it myself. Um, and I went down this uh, self-exploration uh, route, which took me from getting diagnosed to trying various kinds of uh, pills, uh, medications, CBT, cognitive behavioral training. Um, and the end of this uh, journey is this book, which is basically my notes on living with ADHD and the kind of rules I set for myself in order to continue to be successful uh, and to achieve goals uh, in business and in life. But I chose to write just about business. Okay. So, so you, you mentioned in there, you tried various pills, you know, uh, various medications. Um, what was the impact of those on you? 
So this is very, very individual and it has to do with your chemical uh, um, structure or how your brain is wired. Uh, for me, Ritalin was the worst. And that's unfortunate because it's the easiest to get. It's actually the cheapest as well. Uh, and in Israel, it was, uh, let's put it this way. I could get Ritalin in Israel in an hour. Um, the medication I ended up taking took probably six weeks just to get authorized to, to get it. So Ritalin is the, the, the immediate suspect in Israel. That's the first thing they give you. I tried that. For me, it gave me an out-of-body experience. Uh, which is apparently very well uh, uh, documented. Uh, basically, you feel like you're looking at yourself from the outside. Um, and uh, it's, it's just really, really weird. Uh, the second thing is that it is, uh, for me at least, it, it neutralized everything that was fun about me. So that's where I started. I started with Ritalin. Then I went down every other avenue, Adderall, Vivance. I, really, I tried everything. And settled for something that gave me what I wanted. And that's something very important, I think, also to understand when you look at ADHD medication. And I'm not a doctor. Everything I'm saying is uh, from personal use and experience, of course. Um, it's really a question of what you're trying to achieve. And for me, I didn't want the robotic effect because... I, d I don't take Ritalin or, or a medication in order to go into class and sit there for four hours. I, I don't do that, thank God, at my age. Um, so for me, it's more about uh, controlling emotions, controlling overreacting, uh, being able to sit through long negotiations without losing tem my temper or, or uh, agreeing to something just because I don't feel like challenging it anymore or going into detail. So... That's what I, I look in medication. And that's the route I've gone down. And I've done the same with my kids. And we've played around with medication with them in order to, for them to get what they want. And they take them take the pill before school. And then they come home and we talk about it. And how did you feel? And how did it go for you? Um, and we don't... Also, I, by the way, with kids, we don't uh, insist that they take it. So they have to request it. Uh, we give them the option. But we say to them, it's whenever you want. And... Normally they want it. And I, I think medication, I'm, I'm pro-medication. And if you look at it, uh, the way my, uh, my psychologist who, who prescribed the medication says, she says, it's like glasses. Of course, you can see without them, but you really have to squint and really work hard to see without glasses. So why not put glasses? And if you're not wearing your glasses all day, at the end of the day, you're, you have a headache because you're tired because you've been working so hard to do trivial things. And if you've taken medication, you reach the end of the day and you're not very tired because it, it hasn't, it wasn't so difficult. So that's on the medication. Okay. So, I mean, that, that's an interesting take because a lot of people I think are scared of the impact of, of medication on them. And, and, Absolutely. and you know, there's that joke about the, the four R's of schooling used to be reading, writing and arithmetic. And now they've added Ritalin as a fourth R. Okay. Um, <laughs> One second. Can I jump in on that? Yes. On that joke. Sorry to, to digress there for a second. Yeah. But people with ADHD, the fact that everybody around us says they have ADHD, it, 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 it's, it, makes their, uh, it makes this condition a cheap condition. Oh, everybody can have it. Just because you have a mobile phone doesn't mean you have ADHD. 
It just means you're rude, impolite, or just not concentrating at this moment. It doesn't mean you have a problem to disconnect from one thing and go to another thing. It doesn't mean all the things that ADHD means. So that's the one thing that I say, all these people around who take Ritalin because they want an advantage and things like that, those are not the people I'm talking to. The people that I wrote the book for are the people who have the pains that we, prescri- that we describe, that are described in this book. Uh, and, and it's the overreacting, it's the temper, um, it's the uh, being able to do everything and ending up not doing anything. Um, it's those things. And when I, when people with ADHD read this book, I get amazing, amazing feedback from them on how we touched on these, these really, really sensitive points that for the people with ADHD suffer from. Um, so really, I, that's one thing is really get diagnosed also because, so you have the right to say that you have ADHD. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, absolutely. I mean, and I was reading through it, and, and and there were some amazing things you wrote in that book, and and I and I appreciated the fact that it is you know ten minutes reading, as you said on the on the cover, or, uh, you know, in, on, on the, in the introduction to the book. But th- there were some very when you look at it, you say, God, that's obvious. But when I think about what you must have thought about to get to those what what appear to be completely obvious statements um you know th- th- there's so much thought that's gone into running your life through those 13 points you know yes. um, you know i, I mean and, and like the one you spoke about removing distractions i mean i i personally believe we live in a completely distracted world absolutely absolutely i, I think one thing i hate uh, especially in Israel, uh, less, uh, I work a lot in England. It doesn't happen that often in England, but it does in Israel. Everybody come into meetings with their mobile phones. Uh, and they sit there and they're looking at their mobile, at their mobile phone while they're speaking to you. Uh, and Jerry Seinfeld has a very funny, uh, piece about this with, with at Conan O'Brien, where he says people are holding their phone up and they're saying, who is more interesting? The person on my phone or the person sitting in front of me. And so, you know, in Israel, it's a real, real, real problem. And actually, when I go into meetings in Israel and I ask people not to bring in their phones, I get into serious arguments with people sometimes. But it's so obvious. I mean, if somebody traveled and got in his car and came to your office and, and you know, at least 20 minutes it took him, right, with parking and coming in, the minimum you can do is give him your full attention for, for the half an hour you're sitting there. Your meetings are shorter. You don't miss anything. And really, the I also think it's bad manners. It, those are the obvious ones. But I think there are some here that are obvious but important, and I didn't want to... I didn't want to uh, uh, ignore them just because it's obvious. Because it's obvious, but it's it's not so obvious that one should do it. I, I'll, I'll give you an example. Write things down. Okay? It's obvious that you should write things down, right? You go to a restaurant, you want the waitress to write down what you've ordered. You go to a meeting, you want somebody to write down, you know, what are the action items? Okay? This, this is simple stuff. People with ADHD tend to have a very, very good memory, short term. Then it, it gets erased. Then they forget. Then they remember and they do it at the last minute. It's chaos. Now, that's okay if you're working alone. But let's say you're a real estate broker. Okay? This is, a, a, by the way, a classic ADHD job is being a real estate broker. Uh, and I have a lot of friends who are real estate brokers with ADHD. And I say to them, do you have a CRM? 
where when somebody calls you, you immediately write down their name and number in a CRM in order to follow up with them whenever, even if it's an irrelevant conversation. And they're like, no, why? And I'm like, we'll remember if it's a deal. I said, yeah, it's, it's okay today on this deal. But in two months, three months, six years, you're going to have another property that maybe they'll be interested in. And if they're in their CRM, you know, you, you have a method. You've written it down. There is a follow-up. Um, CRM is a good example, and I gave real estate because of you, Rail. But it can be 100 different things. I mean, every meeting you go to, there's action items at the end of the meeting. People with ADHD must write down these action items and not remember them. Second of all, I think you should also have a system uh, in order to go back to your notes because it's not enough to write down the notes. You also need a system that flags these notes for your next action. That's why I like CRMs. That's why I use a diary. But it's got to be some kind of, of, of mechanism whereby you, you encounter it. You don't have to go looking for it. So I'll give an example of how I leave the house. When I leave the house, I always have to have five things with me. This has been going on for 30 years. Every one of my friends knows that when I stand at the door, I count until up to five. Okay, it's wallet, inhaler, because I have asthma, keys, uh, uh, mobile phone, and last but not least, wedding ring. Okay, those are the five things I always had. Before the wedding ring, it was a watch. The watch got replaced for a wedding ring. <laughs> okay, those are the five things I have to leave the house with. The point is, I never forget my wallet. I never forget my inhaler. It all started because I must have my inhaler. Otherwise, it's, it's risky for me. So it all started by let's put together a system whereby I have to encounter the system on my way out. And then for sure, I'll never forget anything. I never forget things at friends' houses, which is very ADHD. Because every time I get up, five things, count you've got the five things, and you can go. Um, so those that's, how should I say? That's the, that's the basis of every rule and system and process I, I, I put together for myself. It's always a process that I have to encounter. That's not something I have to go and look for, if that makes sense. Okay. Um, there's another chapter in the book. I mean, I, I love the fact that you've actually organized your life and found the rules and now you're sharing those. But there's another chapter in there that says um, about being late and making promises. Why is that such a, a challenge? First of all, because people with ADHD have a challenge uh, managing their time. Um, I'm, I'm not sure if you're familiar with this, but in ADHD, one of the big challenges is stopping one activity and moving to another. So uh, it's, it's devastating to somebody with ADHD to stop whatever it is they're doing. Okay, so if, if I have to, I'm talking to you now and I need to stop and go do something else, that action is very, very, very difficult um, for... for uh, for people with ADHD. Sorry, see, that's the ADHD kicked in and I thought of something else and I got uh, <laughs> I got disconnected. Sorry. Where were we? Yeah, Help me. Being late and making promises. Being late and making promises. So, that's yeah. a, so one thing about that. The second thing about being late and making promises is that people with ADHD don't appreciate the time that things take. Okay? So I have this great sentence I use all the time and I say to people, being late Sorry, arriving on time is like being late. So if you have a meeting at 11 and you've arrived at 11, then you're late for that meeting. So I had a meeting today at 11. I arrived at half past 10. 
So I maybe went extreme to the other direction. But I came into the meeting relaxed, uh, very, very focused, and the meeting was done. In half an hour, I was out. If I were to come in at 11, it would take me 10, 15 minutes to calm down, to get into the meeting and start focusing, and the meeting would be an hour. So that's people with ADHD coming back to that. They have, a, first of all, a problem of moving from one activity to another activity. Secondly, they have a, a real realistic problem with uh, thinking about how long things take uh, and managing their time in terms of how long a unit is. I, I, I say it in the book, I say it in lectures, there's nothing takes a second. And actually nothing even takes a minute. Everything you need to do takes five to seven minutes as a starting point. If you think like that, then you're going to have much more time. So another example, I had a call with you today. We arranged it for, for, you know, on the hour, but I was ready seven minutes before the hour so that I can calm down, focus, make sure my surrounding is ready. And when I come in, I'm ready to go. So really it's about not only being late but ma and managing your time, it's about coming calm and, and collected into, into your meeting. And the second thing is it's very unprofessional to make promises and not keep them. And that ties in to write things down. You sit in meetings with people with ADHD and they're always going to promise you everything. Yeah, great. I'll send you that report and that summary and I will send you an action item. It all sounds great. But if somebody actually wrote down what, what all these people promised, they will never deliver what they promised. And I think it's really professional and, and also in the DNA of an organization where your employees see that you write things down, you make promises you can only keep. Uh, you know, don't say I can send it to you in the hour if you know it's going to take you an hour to get back to your office. It just looks silly. That's the way I see it. So that's on that rule. Okay, so let me ask you a question then. Do you think you're a perfectionist or do you think people who 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 have ADHD are perfectionists or they always no, seeking perfection? That's a I good know question. that's a tough question. But it, to me, I would have thought of it. Uh, but, but, you know, my, my immediate reaction rail and, and I don't, you know, I don't know how much the, the listeners know, but you know, I am your cousin. So I've known you for many, many years. Yeah. Um, since, and, you were, since you were four. Yeah. Well, uh, and actually I was speaking yesterday to a friend of mine with ADHD from, from Austin, Texas, uh, who's also very successful and thinking about it, the perfectionists with ADHD that are able to follow some kind of system are very, very, very successful because they have the creativity of ADHD and the rules. So it's not about perfection. It's about system and process. I don't think it's perfection. I don't think, I don't need, I don't need things to be perfect. Although the, the, you know, the only thing better than uh, perfect is done. If you're familiar yeah. with that phrase. So, you know, I, I love things to be perfect, but, but it's not about that. I'm not a perfectionist. I'm very much a process-oriented person. Uh, I love processes. I feel that a process uh, protects you uh, in business. And the beauty of a process is that uh, you, it, it takes really, I, I spit blood, as we say in Hebrew, to write a process. But once it's written, it's, I know it's a one-time effort. And at the end of that effort, it will happen again and again every week, every two weeks, whenever I say it. And that's the beauty of, of, of putting in place processes. And that's why I also say get an assistant uh, or get somebody who's not with ADHD who can do these boring jobs 
define them and let them go. And I find that it relaxes me. Yeah, once you've got it off your plate, it's someone else's problem. And they just have to report back to you. And one yep. of the one of the chapters in your book, Start from the Beginning, and I love the way you <laughs> said that about reading emails and reading them again from the beginning. Just explain that because I thought that was quite fascinating. Okay, so uh, part, of the, part of the problem with ADHD is the emotional reaction you get to things. Okay, so I, I talk about it a lot, but overreacting it can be in anything. It can be in happiness, uh, you know, in emotions. It can be anger. It can be a million and one things. I've only focused on business. We're not talking, you know, about life. So what happens is you read these emails, you get a long email. Okay, I'm negotiating big deal now, right? This huge deal with this guy and we are negotiating and he sends me this long email and I skim through it and I see the pricing and he's gone back on the promise from the previous email and I'm pissed. Right, I'm really, really angry now. There is no way that I've actually sat down and read that email. I've only skimmed through it, looked for the line, reacted emotionally, and now what do you do? I think the right thing to do is leave that email, come back the next day. Okay, you're let let yourself have some time to get angry and everything. Come back now, sit down and think. Okay, if you were writing that email, you wouldn't write it in two seconds and send it out, right? You would think of every word and you'd put together the phrases and you would do a build-up that explains why the pricing is as, as it was in my example. And I find that when I go back and I read those emails again, sometimes I didn't even need to get angry. Sometimes if I were to really have read and given thought and not reacted emotionally to whatever this person wrote, I could have finished it yesterday. And that's the point about it. I say, you've read it. Stop one second. Go back. Read it again. Relax. Understand what's said. And then you'll find words you didn't notice because it's ADHD, right? So you, you find something you didn't notice. Maybe it actually makes sense. I went to a meeting to, this morning. I, and I say this with, with uh, I'm a bit of shame to say, but I went into the meeting. And when I opened up my email to reread the email that, drove the meeting, I suddenly realized it wasn't that bad as I thought it was. <laughs> okay. So that's what I say about go back and read. By the way, this rule was taught to me by somebody else. Um, I, I, I can't remember if it's in the book. I don't think it is in the book, but I negotiated uh, 10 years ago, a hedge fund a management company uh, together with one of the best traders in Israel, uh, Tomer Ziv, and he deserves all the credit in the world for this. And he wrote me this long uh, partnership email as in you do this, I do that, and this whole negotiation about the percentages. And I went through this three-page email probably and I just went to the last sentence. What are the percentages? I didn't even read what he wrote. And he wrote down the percentages. And then he wrote, and now, Mr. ADHD, go back to the beginning, please. Read everything and let's talk about it. <laughs> and hats off to him. I do that. I use that trick all the time. And it really, really works. It makes people laugh as well. So I recommend okay. it. Yeah, that's, I mean, I just love that. I read it and I actually went back and read the chapter again, which is all, you know, less than a page. So that was all good. Um, you know, what advice would you give to your 20-year-old self? Oh, my God. Uh, I mean, I know you've written it all I, in the book, but, you know, yeah. what one thing would you say to your 20-year-old self? 
Uh, well, I, probably a few things I would want to say to my 20 year old, 20 year old self. Um, I'm not a person who lives with any regrets. I'm very much a person who embraces every mistake he made because I think it's part of wh what made who I am. I'll tell myself to calm down and not run so quickly. Um, and uh, I think the one advice I give everybody, and this has nothing to do with ADHD, but it's super important for people with ADHD, is find your passion and follow your passion. Because life is about applying consistent business, sorry, is about applying consistent pressure in whatever direction it is that you're doing, right? You're, you're doing this podcast every Tuesday, you're recording a podcast, you're, it's, uh, you know, you've done a, more than 100 chapters, you've been at it for years, right? Applying consistent pressure and going, going at it. And you can do it because you like what you do. Uh, and that's what I think. That's why I think passion is the most important thing to say to a twenty-year-old. Don't chase money. Don't chase ego, position, whatever it is. Chase passion. And and if you don't know what your passion is, then say to yourself, "I don't know what my passion is." Play around with it for for a few years and figure it out. And don't be afraid. I was afraid, uh, to be honest. And if not, I would have been a ski instructor. And and probably not less happy than I am today, maybe even more. But uh, as a young person, I didn't get that advice. And that's the advice I'll give myself. Well, that's fantastic. And the last chapter in your book, okay, the golden rule. Okay. Yes. And, I, and I'd love to sort of have that as the last sort of comments here. You know, what's your golden rule? Well, my golden rule is not to decide anything on the spot. That's, that's my golden rule. Uh, and I've lost, let's put it this way, more than a lot of people have earned it, will learn in their lifetime on uh, stupid uh, emotional uh, decisions. Um, and the rule I have is it's with everything. If, if I'm buying property, if I'm selling something, uh, it's, if it's a major decision, I always say, let's stop. I have ADHD. I tend to make bad decisions when I'm when I'm making them quickly. I'll come back to you tomorrow. I like it, but I want to come back to you tomorrow. And nine out of ten, if not ninety-nine out of a hundred, I don't do the deal the next day um, because I can get very excited and emotional. And but emotional is not only bad when I say emotional. It's excited is also emotional. I think in a way. Okay. Uh, how should I say it? An explosion of emotions, right? Yeah. Uh, happiness, greed. It could be a million and one things. Um, just say, I just say, people, calm down. I need to, a day to think and I'll come back the next day. It really works, saves me money um, and actually saves me also uh, the embarrassment of calling people and then saying, I don't want to do something that I said the day before that I want to do. Um, so if I've qualified it and I've said, look, I'm not going to decide now. I like it, but I'll come back tomorrow. When I come back tomorrow and I say to them, look, I'm not doing it, they accept it. Um, and I think really for me, that's the golden rule. That and the George Clooney rule, um, which is, you know, never, never give up. If you have a dream and you have a passion, keep going at it. Uh, staying focused is a big problem for people with ADHD. Um, and, and really, those are the two things. So keep calm and, and stay focused. I think that's the two things that if you, if I were to give the takeaway of that end, that last chapter. Well, thank you very much. That's been an interesting, very open, and I think it's 
I think a lot of people have shrouded their ADHD diagnoses in in secrecy because they felt it was a weakness and you've actually gone and embraced it and talk about it and are and are and are using the positives you know that, that go with it and finding ways to deal with any of the negatives and I think that's a fantastic set of lessons. Hadar, if people want to get hold of your book called Winning in Business with ADHD, 13 Rules to Make ADHD Work for You, how do they get hold of it? How do they get hold of you as a speaker to talk about winning in business with ADHD and your serial entrepreneurial life? Well, uh, there's a website called winninginbusinesswithadhd.com, and I think they can contact me through there or just send an email to uh, info at winning in business with adhd.com and they can buy the book on amazon i believe it's most marketplaces in the world i know you got it in australia uk us i know that people have been buying it singapore as well um so yeah and uh, i hope people enjoy it and by the way we made it available uh, as part of kindle's uh, monthly unlimited subscription because i really want as many people as possible to read it and uh, if you have one of those subscriptions then you can get it for free Thank you very much. I will put and I'll put all the contact details in the show notes. And you know, I did order my copy because it was quicker than you posting me one from Israel. I actually yeah. ordered one um, on Sunday and it arrived on Tuesday morning on Amazon Prime, which is quite amazing. Excellent. So, I think Amazon's a good bet. I think they're, they're going to succeed. Yeah, eventually. <laughs> That was great. Thank you very much, Hadar, for being a guest on the Business Excellence Podcast. Thank you for sharing your passion and commitment. Um, It's been a great conversation. Excellent. Thank you very much, Rail. Thanks for having me. This is Rail Bricker signing off for today's edition of the Business Excellence Podcast with a reminder to pop along to excellencepodcast.com where we have a number of resources to help you on your journey to excellence in both business and in life.